Okay, welcome to Sick Palette Podcast. I am the Bish Reader. I'm your host. I'm a professional chef, amateur wine reviewer, drinker. I'm probably a professional drinker. Just not like like you you would never go to me and say, is she a wine professional? I you know what? I think I think everybody knows where we all stand. <laughs> And who knows wine and who doesn't. So we're just going to move on. So uh, this week's episode is a little bit different. It's not going to be a, a wine review per se, but I wanted to kind of talk about what what the story is, or at least some of the stories um, behind making mixed drinks uh, with wine. I want to talk about the connotation of them. I want to talk about the context that they kind of sort of live in our culture. Um, and I got that idea because, you know, it's, it's about to be December and I feel like mulled wine is going to be kind of sort of everywhere and everyone kind of gets into it. I get into it. I can only have about a glass of it, but you know, it's, it's a thing that people get into and it's not something I feel like that is looked down on. Um, and yet there is this idea that if you've got some great wine, you don't mix it with something. So I, I thought that would be an interesting topic, seasonal holidays, you know, that sort of thing. So I wanted to kind of first start, um, with the idea of why people even started mixing stuff in wine. Um, I kind of did, obviously, a very rough research on on all of this, but I did get to about three or four articles. So, um, and also in the notes of this podcast, all of the articles will be linked. So that is something you can read further on um, and just kind of see what the references are. So there's this article from 2015, wineinvestment.com. It's basically a wine through the history, what it was like to have ancient wine. And um, I love that in the third paragraph or so, it starts talking about how um, in ancient Rome and Greece, essentially this very warm climate would ferment the grape juice all by itself. Um, and essentially it was, it was the, the, the first iteration of, uh, I guess, natural wine. Um, they had no preservation techniques though. Uh, so it would turn from like straight grape juice to some thick, dank, syrupy, alcoholic. It actually says the word gloop. Um, I wonder if I could use gloop in words with friends. They're very picky in words with friends. Even words that I know that exist sometimes doesn't get you anything. It's not a valid word according to words with friends. That's going to be a separate podcast where we talk about the elitism of words with friends. Um, not very immigrant friendly, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so the only way to make this particular wine 
palatable was adding water to it. So essentially they were making wine spritzers. Uh, and this was just so uh, they could they could drink the water. I mean, uh, drink, actually, yes, drink the water and drink the wine. I think I think it was like a little bit of a twofer where one was helping out the other. And that, and that uh, wine started to become more palatable through the ages. Uh, it became so popular, though, that excessive wine consumption was a real problem. Uh, and the emperor of Rome basically was like, oh, wine is going to destroy this empire, i.e. wine is going to destroy the working class. So I say this because he ordered half of the vineyards to be destroyed in the empire, and then he raised the price of wine to in inaccessible levels, essentially creating um, the elitism of wine. Uh, you know, really kind of helped with the barrier of why is wine considered uh, this sort of elite, almost untouchable drink, um, unless we get into the holidays and mulled wine. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to deal with the fact that the economy of wine changed basically overnight in ancient Rome. That, that definitely helped, uh, that sort of thing, because it's, it's okay if you can afford the wine and get drunk, because we don't need you to be as productive, but they needed the people building the city to, to not be, uh, drinking, drinking their their wine spritzers that were super alcoholic. So that's that is uh just interesting on different levels there. Um and then I have a couple articles from Wine Vine Pear. I always want to say wine pear, but it's vine pear obviously. Um talking about the history of mulled wine, the origin of wine spritzers, but I kind of feel like we just kind of sort of learned about the origin of wine spritzers. Uh, but this Vine Pear article, and the reason why I want to talk about wine spritzers is because I did this thing where I just typed in wine spritzer in Google and literally um, <laughs> it immediately took me to like, <laughs> you know, just like a soccer mom softcore porn of like wine spritzer erotica and I was like this is this is why this is why in our culture when we think of wine spritzers we think of essentially you know 45 year old women drinking wine spritzers desperate housewife style which I think is a little bit unfair because I mean, it's it's just it's like a it's like a fun fun drink, right? It's it's half soda, half wine. Have yourself a, a day, perfect for you know your little day drink time. Um, so this article in Vine Pear, which will be linked, uh, is talking about essentially that that there is that connotation of you know they I think they even make a reference in this article where you you think that a wine spritzer uh, was invented for the purpose of being quote-unquote slurped down by extras on the show Dallas. Very topical, the show Dallas. Well, you know that the CW, um, 
I think, revived the show Dallas. Huh, so maybe it is topical. They're probably not talking about the CW version of Dallas. Is it Dallas? Did they revive Dallas? I don't know. Um, But anyways, they are purporting that uh, Soda Water became a huge hit in um, the 1800s in Hungary and Austria. And that basically uh, that kind of became um, the rage. Wine spritzers, you get a splash of soda water. So once again, it is the the tippy top of the, uh, you know, the one percenters, so to speak, that are that are drinking the wine spritzers. Um, but essentially, that that is why wine spritzers, I guess, I guess have have a little bit of that connotation. It's it's interesting to me to think of why are certain. Um, certain beverages or certain foods considered considered essentially the, for the rich you know the same thing with caviar same thing with lobsters you know lobsters used to be for the working class exclusively and um some somewhere down the line i think during the industrial revolution actually it, it flipped um so it's it's interesting to realize that Food is essentially able to be accessible to everybody on the entire planet. Um, There is actually no such thing as luxury food. And I think that's actually the same with wine. It's just essentially how we decide um, to create these classes. I mean, you know, that also is bullshit cast classes all of that's bullshit but yeah it it is interesting to see that types of food now i'm not talking about you know spending extra money at your farmer's market to to get you know spinach that was harvested today that is worth the money because you're directly paying farmers i'm talking about the idea that Caviar is for a certain kind of crowd. Fine wine is for a certain kind of crowd. Um, and if you do have fine wine, there are rules on how you drink it. All of that is is just essentially us trying to keep this like hamster wheel society going. How did I become a conspiracy podcast? I'm hearing myself and I'm now officially just like a, a conspiracy podcast. I was doing so well. I thought it would take me at least like episode three or four, two, early in two. Huh. I would like to surprise myself one day. But you know what? Neither here nor there. So essentially, you know, wine spritzers um, kind of have this idea that it is for the people who can be languid during the workday um, then you have essentially wine starting from ancient Rome because an emperor needed Rome to continue to be built, um, suddenly becoming um, basically for the rich. So mulled wine. Where, where did mulled wine come from? Why do we drink it during the holiday season? 
Um, once again, guys, surprise, surprise, ancient Greeks, ancient Greeks, ancient Romans. Um, and this idea of mulled wine started because they had extra wine on the table and you're not going to, you're not going to waste wine, especially, um, in times where maybe water is not always the most potable thing. You, every, every little drop counts. Still a good, still a good thing to, to kind of impart. People shouldn't waste wine anyway. Um, so the Greeks would dump spices into the wine and heat it up. Um, sort of like leftover wine. Let's, let's, let's get a little bit of zhuzh on it. And, um, you know, it's, it's good to go. Uh, the Romans then also heated their extra wine, um, for being, so that it wouldn't waste again. Um, and essentially they had kind of a, a standardized recipe. So, uh, pepper, bay leaf, saffron, and dates. I'm getting this from a, another vine pear article. Um, and then mulled wine basically really took off. It was a, it was a hot hit in the middle ages. Um, and this was because they wanted the wine to taste better. This is because, um, this was for, for cheaper, cheaper versions of wine. And that, that I think is kind of what we think of when we think of mulled wine. You never take a great bottle of wine, right? And then you're going to flavor it, sweeten it, heat it up. That, that is for a cheaper bottle. Every time I see a recipe for mulled wine, there's a cheaper bottle. The reason why I think that's interesting is it, it goes back to this idea that you cannot fuck with fine wine. Um, and this, these, are, these are rules that essentially were made centuries ago, centuries ago. Um, to me, this is something that is a little bit near, dear, near and dear, not near or dear, um, near and dear to my heart because this has been one of those ways of keeping essentially wine pairings, uh, to the Western palate traditionally. There was this idea that when you have very spicy food, very citrusy food, very tangy food um, that can be, it pairs really well. I hear it all the time. Indian food, it pairs so well with beer. Nothing wrong with beer, but uh, there's, there's, a, there's a connotation to it. Uh, you know, it's, it's great with lighter wines. There's, there's this idea that you can't have spicy, pungent flavors and also have um, you know, just a beautiful, deep Bordeaux with it. And that is problematic because maybe you don't even want to have a Bordeaux with it, but I feel those rules are a little bit gatekeeping. Somebody decided it along the way, and it's basically made it um, hard because wine is seen as a fine dining emblem, right? You think of your caviar, you think of your truffles, you think of wine. 
when you go to a great restaurant, right? When you know you're going to shell out money. And when you think about um, a lot of Asian food in this country, a lot of food made um, from from brown people, um, there's this idea that this is going to come in a to-go box and this is going to be great with a cold beer. It is probably going to be great with a cold beer, you know? It's fine. But I've also had a lot of great wines um, with Indian food. Um, and in fact, I find um, really, really spicy flavors mixed with tamarind goes really well with certain kinds of red wines. Syrahs do really well. Tempranillos do really well. Things that have a little bit of bite to them um, work really well. Uh Another reason why I find it problematic that, you know, when you are having a mulled wine and you're adding spices to it, you want to use a cheap bottle. Um, it, 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 it all kind of goes back. There's this idea that spices cheapen a great steak. Spices uh, cheapen a, a, a beautifully made wine. This is nonsense. This is nonsense. Uh that was made from an economy that we don't live in anymore. Um, and in fact, you know, spices is is why globalization happens. So, you know, and spices aren't cheap, my friends. Um, but it is an interesting way of thinking of how I'm going to make my mulled wine. Because I think I am going to make a mulled wine this year. And it's definitely going to not be um, with the cheapest things I can find. There's nothing wrong with cheap wine. I fucking love just a a great bottle that doesn't cost me a lot of money. But I don't want that to restrict the way I decide I want to throw some spices in there. I I want to feel like I can make the best possible mulled wine with whatever bottle. Uh, that takes. And I'm, I would like to pair that mulled wine with something that I have braised in tamarind. Maybe that's what I'll do. So I think, um, December 15th is going to be the last, uh, date of my supper club that I do in Austin, Texas for 2021. And that is going to be a big holiday supper club. Um, we're going to have three of some incredible chefs, uh, basically participating at Wine Wednesday and instead of making Winerade, oh, we'll get to Winerade here in a second, maybe I'll make a mulled wine and maybe we'll make it with um, some tamarind and a lot of black pepper. So stay tuned because I'm sure I will have the recipe um, for one of these newsletters with the mulled wine. I will pro- I will make sure it's not disgusting first I promise you I promise you I'm gonna get you something dope but it is gonna be weird um let yeah let's talk about winerade so winerade uh is a drink I make I make it for every wine Wednesday which is the very basic name of my supper club that I have on Wednesdays um essentially it started in the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was, uh, we're, we're all consuming our alcohol 
at a, at a hefty rate. Um, and I wanted to basically get some electrolytes, um, in, in certain bottles of wine. So I had this kooky little idea that I could make like a little, like mixture of turmeric and citrus and make like a really spicy symbol syrup, um, mix it with wine and it was really delicious. Um, and that kind of started Winerade. Now Winerade has, um, kind of become a celebration of natural wine. Every week I get two bottles of my favorite natural wine. I mix it with, um, some fermented blueberry juice, which was featured on this week's paid newsletter. Um, mix it with lots, lots of different kinds of spices and, um, citrus and, Essentially, I kind of tailor it to each menu. Uh, so I have been essentially breaking breaking wine rules uh, before I was talking about it. You know, breaking wine rules. I think I think there's something cathartic about it. <laughs> if you're an immigrant chef, I think, and and if you're you know having a restaurant you're killing it you feel comfortable only if you feel comfortable you guys know your demographic better than i do you should break some wine rules just see just see what where it goes see where the landscape takes you that's that's you know just something i would like i would like to see i like the idea of <laughs> causing a little bit of wine chaos Okay, so my assignment this week is uh, working on this mulled wine recipe. Um, I will have it, I think I'll, I'll make sure it's on a free newsletter because I think that would be fun. Um, so that, that'll be coming up soon. I'll keep you guys posted. Uh, but I think, I think we're all done here. I think we did it. So um, I hope this gets you guys thinking about your Thanksgiving meals and, and what kind of mulled wine you're going to be having with it. Um, do people drink mulled wine on Thanksgiving or that like after Thanksgiving? I can't remember. Anyways, um, please continue to support this endeavor by sharing it with your friends. Um, yeah, share the Substack link y'all. I'm so, so, so thankful you guys have been killing it in the support game. I cannot believe um, how many subscribers that have already been accrued, how many amazing messages I've gotten, feedback. Um, I'm really, really thankful and I'm really excited about continuing to talk about wine specifically on this podcast um, in, in hopefully different and interesting ways. And then um, follow us. By us, I mean me, I guess. Us just sounds better than me. I've done that like my whole career. Follow me on uh, Instagram at Sick Palette. Um, you can also find that on my um, personal Instagram page at Deepa.Shreether. And um, I will talk to you guys next week. Always have a trouble like ending it. I'm ending it now. All right. See y'all. <laughs>